it's Todd Dills, your host for this edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast, dropping to the feed October 6th, live at the world-famous OverdriveOnline.com, then Monday, October 9th, and picking up with the voices of the spectacular pair of owner-operators behind Chicago-area-based Rita's Absolute Trucking. That'd be Roger and Rita Wilson, who made a match with marriage in 1998 after separate histories trucking, Rita pulling Land Lake's butter up and down the eastern seaboard, Roger then with an OTR history that stretches back to hauling swinging meat in 1970, his first time out over the road. They've had big ups and downs, managing fleets, consolidating loads, and now settled squarely into a super sweet spot moving reefer trailers full of finished chocolate, mostly between Chicago and Pennsylvania, for a single customer. Right, we take, we take finish both ways, but um, each plant makes different products. So that's why we, we are pretty fortunate to have loads both ways most of the time. The pair were our Truckers of the Month for September, and regular Overdrive readers may recall their story recently published at OverdriveOnline.com. Today on the podcast, we dig into their history and present in their own words. We'll start at the end of my long conversation with them when I asked, given their considerable experience, what advice they might have for a truck owner early in his or her career, or anyone really considering beginning a journey in class eight ownership difficult question in the market like the present rita said no doubt that's a toughie <laughs> yeah it, it, i mean in this day and age yeah anybody anybody that would tell me they wanted to buy a truck i'd say no drive for somebody else <laughs> i wouldn't buy a truck in today's <laughs> environment everything is so it's hard to establish yourself with these companies and, and there's Back in the day, there was a lot of smaller companies that you could get involved with. Shippers, Roger means. Now, so many yeah. small companies have been bought up by big companies. And of course, they've got their own transportation department. And they only want to deal with somebody that's got 100 trucks. And it would be, it'd be almost impossible to start out with one truck and get your own operating authority. You have to have a relationship with somebody first. So the first thing you need to do is get yourself in, uh, involved drive for somebody else for a while to learn the system. And if you're lucky, maybe get acquainted with a few shippers. Because if you go into these places and you visit with people and talk to people and get to know people, if you go to some of the same places all the time, maybe you can get your foot in the door and and uh, and get something done. Like we have a guy that parks in the yard where we park and his trailer is all painted up with Haribo candy. Mm. So this and, and this is the only truck they have that's like that. He's an owner-operator. So obviously, this guy got in with him well enough that he's strictly hauling for them, and they painted his trailer for him. Yeah. So, but it takes a long time to get through that. You can't just, you know, start out and say, well, I'm a new driver. I just got my CDL, and I'm going to buy a truck and 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 get my operating authority. You just can't do that because you have to have a relationship with customers on a, on a right. consistent basis or you're you're not going to make it. Right. And to haul for a broker and think you're going to make it, I would find it very difficult. I, you would literally have to live in the truck. And I don't even know if that would make it. These rates are so depressed from brokers. And I don't know. Well, right now. Yeah. I mean, at this moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it, any other time, I would say that you would have to be super duper hungry. To, yeah. You'd have to eat, drink, and sleep trucking. Our daughter, when she was little, um, we have a 24-year-old, and Roger has three older children from his first marriage that are in their 50s. 
Um, so our daughter, the 24 year old, um, when we would be sitting at the table, we would be talking about trucks and she would go, <laughs> can we talk about something else but trucks? <laughs> and I'd say, yeah. well, honey, you know, that's what keeps the roof over your head. And she's like, it's, oh, mommy, it's just all the time you and daddy talk about trucks all the time. Nowadays, there's the most of the bigger companies, so the benefits and the pay is a lot better than it was when I started. When I started in 1970, uh, I was making 11 and a half cents a mile. Most of these right. guys now are getting paid 50, 60, 70 cents a mile now and have plenty of benefits. We we didn't really have much of a benefit. We had a, a retirement investment plan, but that was about it. So it's improved a lot because you, you can see there's, there's not exactly a shortage of drivers, there's a shortage of good drivers. And all these trainees that they're training and putting in a truck before they know what they're doing is just making matters worse for everybody else. Right, but right. Um, the only way to start out now would be to get yourself involved with a reputable company and learn the learn the system and learn the business and then maybe sometime, you know, five, ten years down the road maybe you could think about going on your own. But it's considered advice, and no doubt with plenty of examples that prove the rule, plenty of exceptions to it too, for that matter. On the other side of a break for a word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor, the house company. We'll pick up with more from the 50-plus year trucking history of Roger Wilson, with Rita's own experience added well more than 80 years between them. Our September Truckers of the Month, counting down to the new year when we'll name the 2023 Trucker of the Year. Keep tuned. Stop fuel from gelling this winter with House Diesel Treat, North America's number one trusted anti-gel. Right now, you need House Diesel Treat more than ever, not only to keep your gel free, but to fight the shortcomings of today's ULSD by adding vital lubricity, removing water, and preventing deposits. The only guaranteed anti-gel on the market, Diesel Treat also boosts fuel economy and improves performance. This winter, do yourself a favor and add House Diesel Treat at every fill-up. Visit houseproducts.com for more information. You can find the company at H. WESHouseproducts.com where you can stock up for the coming winter with Diesel Treat. Now, here's Rita Wilson, one half of Rita's Absolute Trucking with her husband, Roger, starting us off. I'm at 35 years, uh, well, driving, but we've had this customer for 23 years. Well, the two, the two trackers that we have, Rita drives a, a 2021 W900 Kenworth. Um, and I'm driving the old truck, the 2007 T600 that has a pre-emission cat engine that I like to keep. So uh, okay. that's my favorite truck pretty much. It's got a 2005 engine. It's 2007 model year, but it's with the 2005 cat engine what it came from the factory. We bought it new in 2006, so we've had it for 17 years. Got one and three quarter million miles on it. We just did the second overhaul, uh, so it's good to go for another million miles. You you guys are uh, a team for sure, but hauling in separate trucks and uh, leaving out uh, often at separate times. So it's a it's a rare occasion that I've caught you both at uh, home uh, there in the Chicago area, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, we we're home every weekend usually and one one day during the week but uh right now my truck is in the shop out in pennsylvania we get most of our 
work done on the trucks in Pennsylvania, we get the better work done out there. We've got a good relationship with the shop out there that we've bought the last two new trucks from. And so now mine's uh, been in the shop for a week getting some new wheel bearings and axle ends put in it. So, so uh, we left it there and I've been driving Regis truck for the last week and a half and she's been staying at home. Oh, we'll see, we'll see. Now what's that shop out in Pennsylvania? It's a, it's a Kenworth shop at Clintonville, Pennsylvania. Uh, we That's the one we do most of our business with and bought the last couple of new trucks from. And it's just, we've got such a good relationship with them that when we, around here in Chicago, there's, there's so many trucks and so many dealers. It's just, it's hard to get in a shop. Most shops, if you contact them here in Chicago area, you have to wait a week to get in the shop. Okay. And that's pretty hard to deal with when you're trying to keep the trucks rolling and keep the revenue coming in and so forth. So this particular shop out in, in Pennsylvania that we do business with, it's, uh, it's 35 miles east of Youngstown, under State 80, so we go by it both ways. They're open two shifts, and we have a good enough relationship with them. We call them ahead of time, and we're able to get in uh, immediately when we get there instead of sitting waiting around a lot. So that's why we get most of our work done there. Have you guys always been based there out of the Chicago area? Well, I moved here in Chicago in 1985. I'm from Nebraska. And I drove, I started driving when I was 20 years old, local in Omaha. I drove local in Omaha for a common carrier for two years. And then when I was 22 years old, I started driving over the road, hauling okay. meat from uh, Midwest to all over the East Coast. I was, uh, it was in 1970. I so I was 22 years old in 1970. That's when I started um, hauling meat from the Midwest to the East Coast. Swinging. Yes. <laughs> Swinging meat. Uh... Going from a local job at Omaha, just being a common carrier to this meat, you got 40,000 pounds of quartered beef hanging from the ceiling of a 40-foot, 13-6-high trailer. It's almost like pulling a tanker. It's uh, pretty touchy. If you learn it that way, it's a good way to start out. You don't start out with just something easy. You start out with some a challenge, and uh, you learn a lot from it. Yeah, I moved, I moved to Illinois in uh, 1985. I came to I moved here to the Chicago area. I went to work for a company, a friend of mine, and we were doing local. Uh, we we're doing LTL consolidation uh, to the West Coast at the time. We had. I think he had 12 trucks, and when I left him, and he had 50. We grew the truck trucking company quite a bit in that period of time. And uh, oh. when I went on my own in '96, then I had five trucks, and then shortly after that, I got together with Rita. She had five trucks, and we got together and started a new company doing LTL consolidation here in, in Wooddale, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. So we actually met. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Rita. By a um, mutual friend of both of ours that was a broker, and I used to haul for her, and she didn't have a load for me, and she, uh, Roger also hauled for her, his company, so she put me in touch with Roger, and I just thought he had the neatest voice in the whole wide world, <laughs> and then I started calling him all the time, so I was the pursuer, and then we went out, and then we got married. We got married in 98. And and you joined companies around that time or, or what was it? What was the deal, Rita? How did you get into this uh, trucking thing? 
Well, prior to meeting Roger, I had a partner um, mm -hmm. in New Jersey. Um, and he was actually from Illinois. And um, we had, we have seven trucks, right? I think we had seven when I left. Um, we didn't get along very well. We had been together for several years and we didn't get along very well. He had different ideas. I had different ideas, but he's actually the one who taught me how to drive. Okay. Um, and he was a very good driver as well. He was a Vietnam vet. He grew up on a farm. And in my, in my travels in life, I find that people that were grown, that had grown up on a farm were actually the best drivers you'd ever come across. Right. You know, they're always courteous. They, um, you know, they're always kind people. They were, you know, the majority of them were never anything but just a fellow driver. You know, just because I was a woman, they didn't say, oh, you know, you're a woman. You know, I had a lot of that in my younger years. Um, right. But like I said, most of the guys that were had grown up on a farm and became truck drivers were just just super nice human beings. Um, I think I, I started driving in 87, I think it was. And, and I, the company that I had then, we used to haul Land Lakes butter uh, up and down the eastern seaboard. I'm from Jersey. Oh, I was still in Jersey, and he was in Chicago. Roger was okay. in Chicago already. So then we started. Uh, we actually started with Rita's Express Incorporated. Yeah. Um, you know, when we had the two together. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to say what? three, four years later, three years later, maybe we were brokering freight. We were brokering loads and um, our insurance company said um, they didn't want us to have uh, one corporation for the trucking company and the brokerage for liability purposes. So we had to split them up. Right. So then Rita's absolute trucking was born and we moved all our trucks to Rita's absolute trucking and we left Rita's express as a brokerage, but then we dissolved it probably, I don't know, several years later. Stopped brokering around that time, I guess. Yeah, it, it was um, it was probably in the middle 2000s. Um, okay. You know, the drivers were few and far between and the recession like 2007. Yeah, it was like a during the recession um, mm -hmm. and things just kind of went south real fast. It wasn't it wasn't quite the abundance of freight during the recession as there was before that, so we wanted to maintain the business with the trucking part, so we just uh, just continued the brokerage and concentrated on the trucking. Reader's Absolute Trucking would grow throughout the Wilson's multi-unit tenure to 15 trucks before the pair slowly began to downsize on up through the last decade. We had 15 trucks. We were doing LTL consolidation. We had a warehouse yeah. in Wooddale. Illinois, and we were. I had a, one full time local and dock driver, and besides myself, doing some of the dock work. And uh, everything we picked up the LTL part, the consolidation, what you do is you go out and make pickups, you and your drivers, and the city driver, you go out and make pickups. Everything comes back to the dock, you unload everything yeah. on the dock. And then when you get the trucks are ready to go, you load the trucks in order so that the freight could be delivered. They went out with like three or four stops with the average and they, they would uh, leave leave the dock one day and then the next day they're starting to deliver and as, they, as they're going east. Or we did some to Texas and some to New England, but mostly Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, but when you we did the LTL consolidation, it was a lot of work because everything went on the dock 
and then everything got loaded back on the trucks in order. So yeah. it, was, it was quite intense. Yeah, Roger did it all. He booked it all. He loaded the trailers in the order that they needed to be loaded. He made the appointments. He did it all. Yeah. And then sometimes when a driver probably stayed out too late and would call like in the morning and say, I don't feel good, Roger would get in the truck and go deliver that load. So back then with LTL Consolidation, we were doing visit with a lot of different customers and shippers. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, we were doing just not that much business with Blind. We were just, we were doing a lot of backhaul for them at the time. They were loading our trucks back from Pennsylvania a lot. Uh, outbound okay. not so much because what we're doing, we're doing LTL out and then when you, when the truck puts the empty with the LTL, you want to give him a straight load to get him back as quick as you can so you get yep. the next LTL load on because that's where your money was with the LTL. After the recession, during and after the recession, you know, the, the rates went way down. There's, there's a huge influx of foreign labor and companies here in the Chicago area that were they kept the rates fairly depressed during the recession and afterwards. And uh, so we slowly uh, downsized, but since there wasn't much availability, there was, there was some availability of freight, but the rates were down so low. It was hard to, you know, when, when the business is good and like before the recession, business was good, and the rates were good and you know, we were making money with the LTL. And then all of a sudden the recession happens and the rates go down and there's, what happens, especially around here, where there's so many trucks available, there's too many people that will haul freight and loads for less than what's really profitable for your business. So we started downsizing, and plus the availability of good drivers. Reed and I are both kind of old school drivers, and a lot of these drivers that were available were just not quite up to your standard. Yeah. And um, it was just hard to deal with that. Sometimes it's, you know, like she was saying, sometimes when you had an issue with the driver, it was almost easier to jump in the truck and go do it yourself with the driver complaining <laughs> about the load or didn't want to leave or something like that. It's like you didn't want to put up with the aggravation of the drivers, uh, you know, not being reliable and, and uh, anxious to go out there and make money. They just wanted a job and not, not really do the right amount of work for it. When you get that kind of people that it's hard to find good quality drivers that wanted to do the work, especially with the LTL. And a lot of guys, they don't want to do that kind of work. They don't want to make multiple stops. They just want to take a load, somebody load a truck for them. They want to leave, not do any work, pick up the load or to, and then go deliver the load, unload, come back and get out of the truck again. They don't want to be involved with, the, with a lot of the work. And we just couldn't do it all ourselves. So as the rates went down, uh, it was just, not as profitable to do all that work to work that hard. So we were just got to the point where it was almost easier just to take these easier loads and do it ourselves. And we slowly started selling the trucks up when the availability of drivers wasn't there. The last two outside of Roger and Rita's own rigs, they sold five or six years ago now. And ever since, the pair have run the two truck operation with a focus on service to their principal customer in Blommer. And the company's warehouse operations managed with Rider System today. Blommer uses Rider for uh, warehousing. So Roy, that'd be Roy Ryan with Ryder. He lets Roger and I do things that other carriers aren't allowed to do because he knows that we sometimes run overnight and he'll let us come in. Usually they're receiving hours until four 
He'll let us come in at eight o'clock at night to unload and reload because he knows, you know, we cut it close and right. he's like, no problem. Don't worry about it. He's super good to us. Another perk of the Chicago to Pennsylvania lane, the Wilson's run. Well, we got to it with this question. Hey, you, you mentioned the, your record and everything. I looked up the your DOT and uh, you, you guys haven't had an inspection in two years. <laughs> <laughs> right? Much less a violation. How do you manage that? <laughs> Now you sound like a broker. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we haven't had an inspection in probably five years, four or oh, five years. It's been several years. Yeah. I mean, we've rolled over scales. Yeah. They're not open usually. There are only two scales that we would go over. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. And Ohio's is westbound only. And they're only open till five o'clock. And we're almost never going through there before five o'clock. Yeah. And then Pennsylvania is westbound because their eastbound scale has a sinkhole. Once in a while, they'll open it and you can run on the bypass lane and they'll just run you through, but they don't weigh you because you can't go on the scale because the sinkhole is there. Right. So um, we've rolled over Pennsylvania westbound, I don't know, probably three or four times in the last several months. but. It's never an issue. And we've had brokers tell us, we'll ask them to inspect you. And I said, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> I would never ask somebody to inspect me. No way. <laughs> your freight couldn't pay enough. We only haul for, uh, we only use brokers. Like we would haul for C.H. Robinson. We would haul for TQL. Well, Coyote. Coyote. But that's about it. Any, any Joe Blow company, not going to happen because yeah. they're here today, gone tomorrow. Do you, I mean, do you, you find yourself working with brokers um, somewhat regularly these days or is it no. mostly just, no, okay. no. Mm -mm. just on the, no. it's just like a off chance that you don't have a run back home or something like that. We haven't hauled a load for a broker for about at least six, eight months. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Once in a while we come home empty only because the rates are so depressed. It's yeah. right now we're we're spending about fifteen hundred dollars around for fuel, fuel alone. Yeah. And um, so you know you divide that in half, so like seven fifty each way. Um, and broker loads out of Pennsylvania, a reefer load out of Pennsylvania, and they want to pay you eight hundred bucks. I'm not a yeah. fan of hauling a load and paying somebody to do it. So. We've deadheaded home probably four or five times this year. How is it on uh, on your <clears throat> excuse me on your direct rates? Uh, things kind of holding up, kind of steady, or um, have they been trying to come down on you as well? No, I've heard. Um, okay, no, we um, when you know when COVID was going on, you know the rates went through the roof. Mm -hmm. They were ridiculous, but. Um, and we did not gouge them. We 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 did go up more than we normally ever would on any kind of rates, but we were still lower than what they were paying brokers on loads yeah. that we couldn't do. Um, so now we give them a discount. Um, we flat rated. We have a, so what we do is we have rates with them, but because of the fuel surcharge being, I think it's at sixty. Eight cents a gallon right now, sixty-eight cents a mile. If yep. if you took our current rates with them and then added the fuel surcharge, we're still charging them less than what that is. 
So I'm giving them spot rates. I've been doing that for the last year. Only because they're so good to us and they give us the back calls. Um, right. So that's why you know, we, we don't gouge them and they know it. Their, um, their uh, transportation director, we, we, we talk occasionally and he said, you know, I understand that you have to make a living. And I said, and that's all we do. He said, I, I totally understand it. And, and we do a lot for them where other carriers charge them. If we're sitting somewhere, which occasionally it happens at the warehouse, like they forget to pick our load. Right. Sure. So sometimes we could be there for two or three hours. But in the same breath, we don't charge detention because in the same breath, Roy will let us come in there at eight o'clock at night where no one else is yep, allowed yep. to. Or he'll let us come in on a Saturday where no one else is allowed to. So, you right. know, we, we look at it this way, you know, you help me, I help you. And Rogers moved some trailers for them when they didn't have a spotter at, uh, before it was Ryder, it was called Midwest Warehouse. Ryder just bought them, what, last year? So sometimes they didn't have a spotter and one of the girls would need a trailer pulled out of a door and Roger would go move it for them. So, yeah, you know, you, you just, you try to help people because they help you and yeah. we appreciate it. He, he always calls me trouble because I, <laughs> I text him and I say, it's your needy carrier again. He's like, what do you want now, trouble? <laughs> <laughs> That's Roy always calls you. Yes, yes. Okay. He's a super nice man. And he worked for the warehouse prior to the rider uh, yeah. out of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, he's been there since it was Midwest Warehouse. We heard from a rider system rep directly about the Wilson's work with him. They had nothing but praise for Rita's absolute trucking, for sure, which regular readers will recall from the story published September 26th. Yet, subsequently, a rep from the Blommer Chocolate Company finally got back to us, too, and confirmed their appreciation for how the Wilsons approached the post-COVID experience with the company. Janie Moore, with Blommer, called Reader and Roger Wilson's absolute trucking the, quote, absolute best. If I could have more carriers like them, it would be a joy. Moore has worked with the pair for eight years, she said, and they've, quote, helped simplify managing and dominated the Illinois to Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania's Illinois lanes. Locally, too, Rita has been a godsend, she added. Quote, there were times we had more loads to move than they could manage legally in a day. Rita would go out of her way and rent a trailer for preloading purposes. This was not a blommer request, but instead of a decision she made to assist, for that, we were forever grateful. In eight years, Moore added, quote, I can count on one hand the times where they were late or delayed. While we know things happen beyond the carrier's control, they have been more than proactive in giving us advance notification on mishaps, transportation delays, breakdowns, etc. A worthy pair to honor, no doubt, and clearly they found a sweet spot hauling chocolate. Well, life's a little easier right now because um, we don't have, back when we had 15 trucks, you'd get phone call in the middle of the night that the truck is broke down or it's in the ditch or mm -hmm. something's wrong with the driver or something like that. Got a lot of calls in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. We don't have to worry about that anymore because she and I talk all the time, even, you know, because quite a bit of the time during the week we're not together. We're going different directions or one's home and one's not. And a lot of times right. we'll, we'll, meet, we'll meet like in Ohio or Pennsylvania and have lunch or dinner together 
when we're going opposite directions. But when we're home, we're home. We don't have to worry about anybody else, uh, you know, any other drivers or any other loads or anything like that. And Rita plans these loads ahead of time. She does all the appointments, books the loads, makes all the appointments ahead of time. So everything is pre-planned. We know like two, three days ahead of time what we're doing and when we're doing it. So right. it makes life a lot easier than when, you know, before when you had to deal with the drivers and you never knew if they were going to be reliable or not. And yeah, I think now is a good time. And I think we're pretty blessed that we have Blommer all these years. Right. Um, and, you know, like I said, we, we do a lot of things for them. They have a plant in Chicago, and it's normally a nightmare to go there. Sometimes they keep one of us here, and we do transfers for them. So we go to the city, pick up a load, and take it to the warehouse, which is 34 miles away. To do two of them in a day is 10 hours. Yeah. Well. It's a combination of everything. You, you're yeah. live unloading. You're you're loading and unloading the same trailer, so you're waiting to be loaded and then you're waiting uh, to be unloaded. And then you right. go to, if you're going to do a second round, you got to go go drive back to Chicago. And I don't know if you know what Chicago traffic is like, but oh yeah, I used to live there. <laughs> yeah, there's only one way to get from from Naperville to to downtown Chicago, and that's 88 and 290. There's no, I yeah. mean, there's no other good way to go and if you do, if you're going to do two trips, there's going to be at least one time in the morning and one time in the afternoon where you're going to be caught in uh, yeah. what they call rush hour traffic. But in Chicago here, the traffic is bad from like seven in the morning till ten, and then again from yeah. like two o'clock till seven o'clock. And when you get caught in that, it takes twice as long to get yeah. where you're going as it would when there's no traffic. So. Yeah. Sometimes three times as much. I mean, I was just today. I was listening. I listened to the traffic reports on the radio, and it was an hour just to get from downtown. It takes ten minutes to get from the plant to to get on 290. Then it was an hour to get just out from uh, the start of 290 to where we get off on 88, and then it's another close to a half hour to get from there out to Naperville. So what would yeah. what you can do in with no traffic, you could do that in about just under an hour, and then when there's in a traffic situation, sometimes it takes two hours. And then when you get to the warehouse, you have to check in, back in, wait for them to unload you, go get your bills. That's usually about an hour and a half process. Uh -huh. yep. yeah. And then you do the drive back again. Uh, and if you're lucky, and then there's always times in Chicago where all it takes is some little fender bender uh, to tie the traffic, and it takes an extra half hour just because everybody's slowing down to look and see what happened and uh, yep. uh, it's just amazing how the traffic piles up and in, in, uh, on 290 it's just a oh uh, yeah and the plant is a nightmare it's they have enclosed docks and there's two lanes going and two lanes coming and a turn lane across from the docks and you need all of those lanes to back in so when you think about yeah. it you're backing in you have to wait for the traffic light you have to time it just right you have to wait there's an overpass, so if they're backed up to the overpass, you're going to sit for two lights. Yeah. You just, you know, you learn all this. There's been times I've sat out there for nine traffic lights before I can get a moment just to block off four lanes and hope that my rear end is where it needs to be. Right. And then if not, you got to start all over again because it's just <laughs> it's, it's nerve wracking. And then 
if there's three feet in front of you, somebody's going to try and squeeze their car in front of you. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then they beat their horn at you. So you have to have, you have to be very focused when you're backing in there. And you, and you have to be patient. Um, so it, it, sometimes it's really, a, it could be a half hour just to back in the dock once they give you a door. That's at Kinsey and Des Plaines downtown for those of you who know the Chicago grid pretty well. Well worth the trouble for them though. And the Wilson's dedication has clearly reaped the rewards with the customer. Again, Janie Moore on their Trucker of the Month honor for September. Quote, they actually have a great rapport with our internal plants and warehouse and go out of their way to make sure the customers are happy. If anyone deserves this, Rita and Roger do. And that's a wrap for this special Trucker of the Month edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast featuring Rita's Absolute Trucking, two-truck business of Rita and Roger Wilson, headquartered outside Chicago. If you missed the feature published last week about the pair, I'll link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening. Overdrive Radio is on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn, most any platform. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you're enjoying these, leave us a rating and review there. Big thanks in advance for that. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American truck. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker-songwriter long-haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the snake man himself, Lammy. Terry, two socks, Richardson on bass, Keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor Matt Cole, executive editor Alex Lockey, video editors Lawson Rudisil, and Andrew Gwynn. Until next time.